Hello, my friends. Welcome to Simply Cyra Live. It's Thursday, 4.30 p.m., and that means one thing. First, it means that I'm going to take the scrolling thing off the bottom of my arm so we get a little bit more real estate. We are going to be covering an hour-long interview with an industry expert to deliver educational and entertaining value to you in the next hour, and I am super, super excited. It is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, so obviously it seems totally on brand talking about security awareness, and most importantly, the mistakes that you need to avoid. We're going to be joined with James McQuiggan, who is a security awareness advocate at Know Before. Now, James and I had the opportunity to meet at uh, Black Hat this year, and one thing led to another. We went to dinner, we went to a party together, we hung out, we high-fived. It was a whole thing. We went to another party the next night. It was cool. Like I spent a lot of time with this guy. He is a really, really wonderful person. Good soul. Uh, you actually may recognize him because he's been joining the Simply Cyber community, the morning bre uh, threat briefings ever since we hooked up there in Vegas. But he's got some hot takes, some interesting angles, and a you know, basically a career of experience to share with us. Now, you guys know how pumped I am about a security awareness, so I'm sure I'm going to be interjecting and blurting in, not just facilitating the conversation. So settle in, get comfy. If you got to hit the head, do it now. If you got to get a drink, do it now, because once this train starts rolling, man, you're not going to want to get off, okay? If Oh, yeah, and by the way, if you're new here, if you want to throw a question up to us, Put a cue in front of it so I know it's for me and we're not just having a conversation in chat for yourself. But we're going to have a banger today. I can't wait. Let me go get James. What's up, James? How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, Jerry. Good to see you. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a pleasure. I also didn't mention that James and I actually have been embroiled in a, in a like a like like an endless assault of chess matches on chess.com. Uh, ever since we first met, I defeated him in chess at uh, in Vegas uh, on like the huge chess board at uh, at Bierce Park or whatever. And ever since then, he hasn't uh, released me from his grasp of just hammering me uh, in chess. So <laughs> so it's been fun, James, getting to know you. Oh, no, the feeling is certainly mutual. Um, I I appreciate the the choice word of opportunity. For me, it was a pleasure getting to meet you and and uh, I'd seen you around on YouTube and your uh, the, the community that you built up. For me, that was uh, what was most impressive. And I felt honored just to be a part of that and to hang out and meet with some of the folks there in Vegas when we were there. Um, and just for the record, I'm going to finally come clean. That first chess game we played, I just let you in. I didn't want you to feel bad that I. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could I could see that. I, I, you know, I am. I do run pretty hot emotionally. I could have just lost it. Right. So, yeah, wait, wait to throw it in. I will say uh, we'll get into cybersecurity in just a moment. But I will say that James was destroying me in that match for the first 90 percent. And then he took his eye off the ball for a hot minute and I moved in. want to give a shout out really quick to my man, Jeremy Williams, with the super chat coming in hot early. Jeremy Williams ready to get some value. I definitely love it. Thanks so much, Jeremy. All right, y'all, let's pivot into security awareness. Now, James, let me ask you just broad strokes because I have a very strong opinion on security awareness. What is the main objective of security awareness at an organization? So I usually like to relate this to something that people can, you know, an, an analogy that people can relate to. If in your neighborhood, you know, or homes or apartment buildings or wherever you may live, if you were to hear about uh, homes being broken into, and you were to learn how they were burglaring the homes, you know, they're going in, they're ringing the doorbell, nobody answers. I mean, not too many people answer much these days anyway, but you ring the doorbell, nobody answers. So they go around to the back of the house and they smash in the window and they climb in and they start looking for electronics, things they can grab very quickly, cash, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Nintendo switches, TVs, whatever it may be. And then they take off out the back window and, you know, run off to a pawn shop and sell it. But if we knew that that's what they were doing and how they were doing it, well, then we could turn around and go, all right, we're going to have, you know, we're going to set up the motion cameras. We're going to have the motion sensor lights. Uh, we're going to do the, we're going to turn on the security alarm system or get one installed. Um, hey, you might even have a beware of dog sign right there in the front window. Uh, and then when you ring the doorbell, it plays the sound of barking dogs. You'd be surprised, but it works because we had a, uh, I think it was an air conditioner guy coming to service it last year doorbell rang 
dogs barked. Oh yeah, we have three cats in our house. So they scattered <laughs> to all corners of the house. Uh, we open up the door and there's a guy standing there and he's like, you know, he's looking real pale and we're like, you all right? Is everything all right? You good? And he goes, you guys don't have dogs, do you? I, I, I don't do well with dogs. I'm like, no, 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 we got three cats. That's just, you know, the doorbell. So he even realized, was worried that we had dogs. So that acted as a deterrent. So we kind of flip that now and we go, okay, if we have cybersecurity awareness and we make people aware how cyber criminals are doing these attacks, there is part of it that freak people out and go, okay, that's it. I'm never writing email again, or that's it. I'm on off Facebook or whatever else. But like everything else that's out there, it's just a matter of having to become aware of it, understand how that works. And then, you know, part of it is to care enough that you take the necessary steps, actions to be able to protect yourself, your email, your social media, um, your friends and family, your organization. Because uh, pretty well, we all have email. Mm -hmm. uh, even in our organizations, we have an organization email. And for me, anybody that has an email address for an organization, you have the proverbial key to the front door for that organization with nobody else to stop you. Because essentially, you could click on a link, open up an attachment, and you are opening that front door for the cyber criminal to be able to walk right in. Yes, I know there's technology and secure email gateways and we can go into that. But essentially, you are having a key to the front door. And I've got two daughters that are in their 20s. And essentially, we gave them a house key at one point. You know, we told them the rules and responsibilities they had with having that key. The same thing needs to apply with email and that awareness that we have uh, for the organizations, for all of our users. Yeah, I would agree 100%. And like you said, there are technologies out there that can limit the amount, but some of them get through, right? And, yeah. you know, and, and you know, you're talking kind of holistically here too. Like, yes, a, a no before, right? A no before company probably has a, a really good email gateway, right? We're not going to name names, but it has some email gateway that's protecting it, right? And I use Gmail. They've got a fantastic one built in too. But not everybody, whether you know it's it's for work or it's personal, not everybody's using a secure email gateway. Some people use like whatever the the church is that they go to, like some nonprofit set it up or you know whatever. Um, so there is a higher likelihood of those kind of emails um, getting through. Also, um, you know we're seeing an uptick in activity in smishes, oh, yeah. which is essentially yep. the same thing, right? Especially nowadays with BYOD, this phone is on my corporate network. I can get a text message. Yep. The, the the attack vector is the same, and then the lateral movement potentials are a little bit more murky, but there is mm -hmm. opportunity there. You know, I want to share with you my philosophy, if I can, James. Um, yeah. And sorry, Simply Cyber Communities probably heard this before, but I always think of security awareness as, it, and it sounds devious, but let's just be real. I think of security awareness training as an opportunity to modify people's behaviors and mm -hmm. i'm not saying like in a psyops way where like oh you're gonna you know you're the manchurian candidate now or something like that but a, a situation where you're enabling them with information to make better decisions most people right. want to do the right thing most people don't want to click on the link and compromise their business right exactly but they don't know they don't know any different right, right. so yeah so okay so now that we have kind of our philosophical underpinnings defined you know, relative to the title of this particular show, what, what's what's a security mistake that people make? Like, what, what's just one that's like, oh, my God, again with this? Um, a lot of the time, and there's a variety of different things, but a lot of the time, um, and this is one of my favorite ones, and this is more for the users, not really for the folks that run the security awareness program. Uh, a lot of people think with regards to the phishing simulation. So if you're in your organization, you've done your security awareness training, mm -hmm. and then you have them sending out those fake phishing emails. Ooh, I actually, I, I had a, I have a, a line for this one. I, I was hoping we would speak about that. You see, you see down here, James, the philosophy, philosophy on phishing engines. Yeah. So please so, continue. Sorry to interrupt. Here's my philosophy. And this comes from the fact that I also teach college. This is not a gotcha moment. And a lot mm -hmm. of people think that we're the IT folks or whoever's running it are out to get them. They're thinking, okay, let's see, we, we make this one real sticky and we make it deal with money and we'll get them all and we'll get as many people as we can. As much as we'd like to believe that, and I know when I was running my fishing program at Siemens many, many, many years ago, 
that was part of it. That was like, let's see how sticky, let's see who I can catch. I've had to change that philosophy and that way of thinking because I have been fished at, no, before I get fished twice a week. And unfortunately, I have fallen victim to it. And I'll, that's another story, and we'll get into that in a bit. But the idea here is it's not a gotcha moment. It's They're not out there to try and get you. They're out there to try and teach you. Mm-hmm. It's a teaching moment where, yes, you ended up clicking on the link, and you're going to go through these, what I like to call the four stages of fishing grief. I know there's five <laughs> stages. Of, I know there's five stages of grief. But first of all, you click on that link, and then you realize what you've done. And it's shock. And you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just clicked on it. And then in the cold sweat runs down your back because this is what was happening when it happened to me. Then you go through a phase of denial. I don't know. Yeah, I clicked on it, but I closed down the browser right away. They wouldn't have had a lot of time to get in. I didn't enter my credentials. You go through that denial phase. Then you get into the anger phase and it's twofold. The anger phase shows up because one, you get the email from IT going, hi, congratulations, you get to take the refresher training. And I'm paraphrasing it and being a little malicious with it, facetious with it. But the other reason is you get angry with yourself internally. And you're angry because we're smart people. We're educated. We've been to school. We know, you know, and the fact that we're, we feel that we're smart enough, I'm not going to fall for a scam. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen to me, but it does. And then you get angry with yourself. You get angry because they got you. Um, and then you go into the acceptance phase where it's like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll take my punishment. I'll take the licks. I'll do the training. And for me, when I had to go back and do the little refresher training, they give you the quiz and the, the little test at the end. And I was sweating it because I'm sitting there going, if I get any of these wrong, I ain't going to hear, I'm not going to hear the end of it Yeah, right. from our, yeah. our IT <laughs> folks. Now I mentioned there were four stages now in, in, with fishing grief, with grief, there's bargaining and I, there is no bargaining with the IT folks in fishing grief. So I just don't talk about it. So, mm-hmm. um, but the, the reason I ended up falling victim to that fishing was I was in a rush. And a lot of the time, that's what happens with people and why they end up clicking on it is they're in a rush. They're in a rush state. Something's happening. For me, it was a Zoom email. And we use Zoom at No Before. Okay, yeah, OPSEC. Okay. But we use Zoom. And I'm on, it was 11.59 right before lunch. I'm on a call waiting to connect with a customer to talk about a presentation I'm going to do. And um, I have my email, my Gmail is, is closed on the computer, but my phone is sitting on a cradle right in front of me. And as I, I'm just sitting there waiting, the customer hasn't connected yet, 11.59. And on the phone, it popped up with a preview of this email that was a Zoom email that said, you have, a, you have somebody waiting in your call. And I'm sitting there going, I'm, I'm in the call. Yeah. Am, am I in the wrong call? Are they in the wrong call? Oh, shoot. What the heck is going on here? It's almost noon. We're, I don't want to be late. I don't want them to be late. So I said, all right. So I close out of the Zoom, open up or minimize the Zoom, go into the Gmail, open it up. There's that Zoom email right at the top. Click on the link to join the meeting. Okay, let's click on the link. Let's see what meeting they're in. And I click on the link and up pops the no before login box. Well, I'm oh. already logged into no before. So at that point, it was a oh shoot kind of moment yeah um and i then went back hovered over the link and saw that it was one of our phishing simulation links and then i went through that whole range of emotions uh that came back now the interesting thing was they hit me at the right time they got me i was in a hurried state i was worried i was rushed so i didn't take the time to check the link now here's the funny thing and this is where the whole denial aspect comes in if it had been five minutes sooner at 11.55 and they said that they were connected, I would have just opened up my Zoom app and gone in normally the way I do. And then they wouldn't have been there. And I would have been like, well, that's strange. And then I, would have, I wouldn't have been as freaking out. If it had been five minutes later, I would have already been in the meeting. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Again, it's part of all that whole denial stage. And one of the great things we do is when we do get fished, we get to provide feedback to our team to let them know what we were doing, what happened, how we felt, that kind of thing. And for me, I always bust their chops because I'm, I'm saying if we had somebody inside our environment and they knew I was getting on a call right at that time, 
we have bigger fish and bigger problems that we have to deal with. But I think just generally people have meetings, you know, at the top of the hour, the half hour, which, you know, if you're going to send out a phishing simulation to your users as a sticky one, you know, you want to see if they're going to be rushed or they're going to see if they're going to learn that lesson and, you know, check the link and not click on it. So, yeah, it was a it was a fun learning experience. Now, whenever I get email, um, I go through and it's like, OK, am I, do I know the person? Am I expecting it? Is there a strange request in there? And if any of those don't seem right, I'm taking that extra moment now to go through and either check the link or whoever it's coming from to make sure that it's legit because, yeah. yep, I learned my lesson. I was just going to say, it sounds like that experience modified your behavior. <laughs> I mean, for the, for the good. And, and, you know, yep. you are uh, a seasoned professional, but I mean, I've, I've fallen for fish as well. Our CEO. Um, yep. Rocket yeah, so, scientists, doctors, lawyers. Yeah. Everybody. So as you were talking, I wrote this one up here, as you can see on the, on the call out, um, talking about empathy. So you experienced this four stages of, of, you know, fishing grief, as you called it. And it's real emotion. It's real, you know, I don't want to say shame, but you know, people feel like, Oh my God, like I'm smarter than this. Like, I don't want to be labeled as like Carl or like, uh, you know, as a fool or something. So I think it's important. And, and I'm, I'm curious of your, your thoughts on this. Um, it's important to a have experienced it so you can understand and B to not be dictating in an ivory tower what the what the training is but to get to meet the business understand i believe empathy is an absolute necessity in being able to effectively connect and communicate with your end users with the business what, what are your thoughts around how empathy uh you know is is involved yeah empathy is certainly one of the key components for me one of the other aspects was um if you're going to do the phishing assessment in your organization, don't let them know if they've passed or failed, if it's the first one. Because usually what you do when you're doing your phishing assessments, you want to get a baseline. Um, and usually that's just to get the baseline. Don't make them do the training at that point. Then you give them the training. And then after that, when they do that training, that's the opportunity, whether it's for onboarding or you're, inter you're introducing it to your organization. Empathy is key. The other aspect, and I go always, I always like to go back to Mr. Simon Sinek and the whole why, you know, we've got the how, the what, but the why. It's important that your users understand the why behind this. Why are we doing this? Why are we sending you these fake phishing emails so we can get you to click on it and give you a lesson? It's to help protect the organization overall. Bottom line, site, we, you know, we can see quarter after quarter, year after year. Phishing numbers are going up. Why? Because it still works. Cyber criminals are still able to get in. And so it's important that your users understand the why behind it, because we're doing this to protect the organization. And you have a key to the front door. Yeah. And we want to make sure that you're going to protect that key and you're going to protect that front door for us. Because, you know, we're all a part, we're all a part of making sure we keep the company, keeping the organization secure. We got our IT folks and they're awesome. We got our InfoSec cybersecurity folks and they're doing all the policies and the programs and everything else. But because you've got an email that connects to the outside world, you get to play in the game as well. And so empathy is important that comes into play, letting them know the why, try to get, you know, keep it fun if you can, you know, doing contests and those kind of things. So, you know, as you kind of put that all into your program, those are, those are certainly some key elements to have, but yeah. Definitely empathy. So another another mistake I'd be curious about uh, that people should be avoiding. A lot of times when we talk about user awareness training, well, uh, it's so funny. I'm so passionate about the topic that like three other ideas just popped into my head while I was speaking. Um, when we talk about it, workshop. Yeah, yeah. I seriously. Um, we, we regularly think of the general populace, right? Everybody gets it. The executives get it. Uh, Carl gets it. You know, the, the vendors might get it before they get access to the environment, but it people and, um, not just it, but it are the common ones that have the privileged access. Um, you'll also see like research or engineering people, uh, development people will have elevated privileges because they need to do special things on their systems. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, you know, with, our, with poor role-based access control, you just kind of like give them everything and, oh, look at they stopped calling the help desk, like problem solved. Right. So what are your thoughts around, um, or mistakes th that people might be making around 
tailored security awareness training for some of these uh, higher risk profiles or higher risk avatars? Yeah, I mean, you bring up you bring up a really good point because when you've got folks that have higher privileges, they present a higher risk. Um, and when you're looking at your general populace, what kind of risk level do they present? Because they've got the email or because they've got the ability to do a lot more on their system. And then when you start looking at executives and you start looking at the R&D folks and everybody, you know, with R&D, you can segregate and separate them out. Uh, I mean, I've known in the past, some organizations, you would have your email, you'd have your one machine that would do all your email stuff, but then you'd have a separate system on a separate network without that email, without, you know, uh, with the more open privileges, but it would be an isolated on the network. But if you're like a university where you've got your professors and you've got your R&D folks and they're going through and they've got higher level privileges, you certainly want to be doing more, you want to be doing more assessments on them. You want to be making sure that they're, you know, creating that or having, keeping security top of mind, that they're going through, mm -hmm. they're able to spot the phishing emails. They're not installing program, all kinds of crazy programs on the system that you have. And this is where the technology comes in, like your EDR systems, your, we won't name companies, but your EDR systems and other technology that you can have on there to monitor. Mm -hmm. So they're not connecting to cloud uh, environments that they shouldn't be or installing applications they shouldn't be. So when you've got folks that have that higher level of risk exposure, you want to be doing those couple extra steps to make sure that they're not, you know, the entryway for the cyber criminals coming in. Whereas with general populace, if you've got things locked down, uh, least, you know, uh, least privilege, mm -hmm. uh, limited access accounts to certain things, you know, then you're then there are that lower risk. So you don't need as much possibly to monitor them. That, I think that's kind of where I would go with it. Yeah, I think it's very valid. What about, um, you know, I, I feel like another mistake, uh, and, and by mistake, what I mean is doing something is better than doing nothing, right? But there's, in, there's levels of improvement that can be made for ultimately the modification of the end user's behavior. This is the goal of security awareness training. So one thing that I think is a mistake that some people make is the material, whatever it is, like... The like so you get fished right or you do your annual training or whatever the material the content that you're putting in front of the end user is tone deaf to, to, to use a plain term right it's it's too technical so they don't even understand it it's too in the weeds so they don't care there's no connection with them and you know i feel um, that that's a mistake right and there, there's there's many ways to fix that right you can pull an example from it that any like today's news, you can pull an example from yesterday's news, and I guarantee you to from tomorrow's news, you can pull examples. What are, what are your thoughts around these type of mistakes around the tone deafness of how it resonates with the end users? Yeah, one of the things, and I'm shameless plug here for no before because you know they pay the bills. Yeah, um, we have what we call the new school um, security awareness training, and it's designed so that it's more engaging. It's more interactive. It's not you sit there and watch a computer-based training or you're watching um, just a video. There are videos are part of it, but it's more engaging. There's exercises that you're going through, answering questions. And it's not just that common, uh, common, common sense quiz that you would get at the end. Mm -hmm. It's actually going through it. Have that more engaging content. Have other ways that you can support the training as well once they're done, because once your training doesn't really cut it, um, when you're doing it more frequently and, and Perry Carpenter, uh, one of our, our chief strategy officer at know before and a good friend, he used a comparison or a, a, an analogy and I ended up stealing it from, uh, just cause <laughs> I think it's, I, cause I think it's awesome. You can't go to the gym once a year and expect to have a full tone, muscular ripped six pack, you know, body. It's something that you have to work at and you've got to work at multiple ways, diet, mm -hmm. exercise, you know, and continually going through and working out and doing different things. Same thing with security awareness. You can't just do the once a year security awareness training. You've got to introduce other elements throughout the year, whether that's in department meetings, you have somebody that comes out with a security tip or you have a, a, a catalog of security tips that they can, somebody can read from, do a little research and present to their department five minutes worth of time in a meeting. Um, 
when I worked at power plants, work when I would go and visit the power plants working at Siemens, health and safety was a part of that culture where mm -hmm. you go in, have the training, get your little sticker for passing the test. And then, uh, but every meeting they would always have somebody giving a health and safety tip. So you, you introduce it that way to grow that security culture of the organization. You might even have videos. One of the things we have, oh, you can't see it because it's cut out, but the Inside Man series is a video series that we have at Know Before that we are now filming our fifth season of it. But what it is, it was created kind of like a Netflix series where it's, I think it's like 12 episodes. Each episode is about eight minutes, but it's story first. It's all about mm -hmm. entertaining you. But as you go along and you spot the, the mistakes, the cybersecurity mistakes, and then at the end of the episode, they do a quick little recap of the three, two or three items throughout the episode. And I love telling the story where when I got hired at No Before, they had already had the first season out. They were getting ready to release the second one. So I got to watch the whole first season and I, I thought it was fantastic. It was a great story, story first, cybersecurity second. And I got such a kick out of it. I decided to, you know, uh, I had it on my work laptop. I hooked it up to the TV and I said to my wife, honey, you got to check this out. This is really cool. It's a neat story and everything else. Well, the story opens up where the inside man, the guy that's trying to break into the organization, he's sitting there in the lobby, got a suit on. And somebody's walking out and she's got a guest badge on and he stands up and kind of gets in front of her and goes, sorry, miss, you can't go outside without your guest with your guest pass. Oh, and she's on the phone. So, oh, sorry. So she takes it off and hands it to him. Yeah, my, wife sits, my wife sits there and goes, what the heck is she doing? Giving it to the guy. Does she not know he's not in security? So I'm sitting there. I'm looking. I'm like, okay, just. Just keep watching. Next thing, you know, <laughs> next thing you know, he gets upstairs. He gets through the, the first gate. He's upstairs. He's standing there with coffees in his hand and a phone like this. And he's talking and he sees some people going in to go into a door and he kind of works his way over and they hold the door open and he walks in. Oh my God, why are they holding the door open? Don't, didn't they check his badge? Why did he badge into the room? So at this point, I turned it off because I'm like, okay, you don't need to watch this. Yeah. She, was, she was spotting everything. She's learned through osmosis, I guess, married to me. But that's kind of, that's the the reaction. That's what we're looking for. When you watch that going, oh, why are they doing that? Oh, they shouldn't do that. Or because you learn that. And then that helps emphasize and support the the training that you would have throughout the year. And so we come up with the new series every year. And I've talked with customers and friends of mine who are customers. And they'll do their department meetings monthly and they'll show a new episode. And everybody can't wait for the next uh, meeting because they want to see the next episode. It's that kind of engagement is what you're looking for when yeah. you have your training program. Don't just make it once a year, have it continually going on throughout the whole year. Yeah, that's fantastic. I hadn't heard about that. I love that idea. And and um, I want to particularly point out why I love it is that, you know, a lot of these examples, they're like, they're, they're point in time. It's like, all right, like here's the scenario. This weirdo's on one side of the door and he's he's knocking and saying, please open the door. My hands are full. What should Sally do? And it's like, like there's no, it's just so sterile and like, bleh, you know, but, but having it like, you know, this isn't a side tangent, but storytelling is one of the most impactful skills in human nature. Like it's how we've passed down knowledge for, you know, thousands of years until until the printing press right and then the internet and right so and then neural links but 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 my point is uh storytelling is incredibly powerful for conveying oh, yeah. a message for communicating and for you know kind of baking in other alternative agendas much like what you're saying so yeah i i absolutely love that that's like next level of effort oh, yeah. though obviously with production. i mean in my presentations that i do which is the day job when I do my presentations, it's all about storytelling. It's all about providing, you know, yeah, giving you a bit of information, but then having a story that goes along with it just to help drive that point because people can relate to stories, that emotion that goes with it a lot more than they can with the information. So if I were to say, here's five pitfalls to avoid and I list all five, you are probably not going to remember them. But if I talk, mm -hmm. tell a story around, you know, Susie and her new security awareness program and how she had problems and what she learned from it, you know, the emotions that might go with it, that's going to hold on a lot longer as well. Absolutely. And Thank I wanna... you, Paula. Thank you. Yeah. My yeah. new friend. 
I want to say, uh, just I don't normally pull these on stage, but I want to give a shout out and say what's up to Clint. I, I bring Clint onto stage particularly because Clint is the one who initially introduced me to James at Black Hat. So I owe it to Clint the relationship that I've uh, forged uh, in the in the chess scars I've are, I've acquired. Are we, we going to call him Yenta now? Yenta, why you know, the matchmaker? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry, musical theater even... reference. Sorry, back from my old days of musical theater. No, I absolutely, uh, I absolutely love it. So let let me ask you this: uh, one one argument, and I I was actually a guest on uh, Recon Infosec's Thursday Defensive podcast recently, cool. and one of the topics that kind of came up was a discussion about if whether or not better tech is the answer, right? If you put better tech in place, you can kind of minimize, marginalize, remove the human from it. So we, you and I are approaching it as um, delivering awareness, uh, behavior modifying knowledge. Uh, and some people in our community are thinking it's gotta be, we, there's gotta be an engineered solution. What are your thoughts around this, this argument? And it's a good argument and you, we, it, we can be talking about it, you know, for hours and hours on end, but we're already living in a world of technology and it's because of technology with email that we deal with the social engineering, you know, years ago there was social engineering. I mean, I, I'll admit it, but I love the movie. Catch me if you can. I think Tom Hanks, Leonardo DiCaprio, fantastic, yes. but I love the story based because it's loosely based on Frank Abagnale's adventures of social engineering. But we had social engineering way back then, and then technology had to improve to stop them from robbing the banks, stealing the money, printing the, the counterfeit forged checks. Mm -hmm. We're now to a point where, okay, we've got technology with email. We can send messages to a whole lot of people very quickly and get it in, in milliseconds. You know, And that technology, cyber criminals have now shifted it to where they are social engineering people, not in, you know, in person, but now doing it electronically. And we need the technology there to help, but there is always going to be need. There's always going to be the need for a pilot planes. You can get on a plane and they can pop it on autopilot to take off and land, but you still need the pilot in there. Now we can go into discussions about, you know, um, self-driving cars and all that stuff, but I think they still have a steering wheel in there. So in case you've got to take over, mm -hmm. but technology is there and we're constantly improving the technology, you know, um, they're sandboxing the links when they come in. They're sandboxing the documents when they come in. And you touched upon it earlier, Jerry, when you were talking about the, the technology, the secure email gateways, and some people have them and some people don't. The, the other thing to think about is the cyber criminals that are out there, the sophisticated ones, the ones that have a lot of money, the cyber criminal groups, they're going out and buying the same technology that we've got that organizations have. They're buying those secure email gateways, the firewalls, and they're trying their emails or whatever they've got against that technology to see what gets through because they're having to constantly evolve it as well. And most mm -hmm. of the time, they're probably doing it with all the default settings, maybe tweaking some of the filters, but they're going through and trying it to see what gets through. And then they set it aside if it works and then they kick it out if it doesn't. So yeah, our technology is going to stop 90, 85, 90, 95% of the emails. But when there's billions of emails being transmitted every day, that's still a lot of email that's going to get through to the human. And so there has to be that awareness for them. And we can have technology to help that if they end up clicking on the link, if it does go to a malicious site and a sock can stop it, or there's technology that can check it ahead of time and go, whoop, hey, according to Virus Total, this is not a good site, you know, and then they drop it. That's where the technology is going to come in, but it's not always going to be, you know, the be all end all. And people have to be able to buy that technology as well, because, you know, the companies that create it, they got to keep in business. And so they're going to sell it. And when you've got nonprofits or small businesses that can't afford some of that higher end technology, it makes it a little different. But it's it's got to work hand in hand mm -hmm. uh, and the technology may not always be there, but it is improving and evolving. And hopefully we, I honestly, I do hope to get, we get to the point where we get all the phishing emails that come in and you could click them until the cows come home and nothing happens, nothing bad happens to your computer, but we're not there yet. So until that happens, um, I still got a job and so do you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and you know, we've seen this with DLP and if, well, hold on, I, I gotta, I gotta make a note here. Uh, bad guys yeah, using tech. 
Okay, so I've, I've got two thoughts, right? And one is you say like, okay, so all the tech gets like wicked good at what it does, right? We have seen DLP, which is data loss prevention, which yep. is probably the most, um, I hate to call it ridiculous, but I have strong opinions about DLP. I have never, ever, ever seen it implemented correctly. I have net what ends up it's for some reason, CISOs want to put it in first instead of like MFA. And it's like the hardest control to actually implement correctly. And then what ends up happening is you put it in, it blocks everything. So then you, you, you tune it out. It blocks most stuff. And then you just let everything through and then you go right back to where you were. And then you say you have DLP, but it's not configured correctly. So any, my point being is James is talking about a tech in the future that can identify all the fishes, but there's going to be false positives. We cannot avoid that. You're yeah. going to impact business and then people are going to get mad and then you're just going to throttle it back and then the fishes yeah. will get back through. So yeah. I, I'm with you on that. But now, one thing that you just, you just mentioned something you mentioned about multi-factor authentication. I don't know if anybody knows that's listening here today, but um, do you know what the name of the most secure woman in the world is? No. Her name, her name is Emma Fay. MFA. Emma. Oh my God. That's our first dad joke. Oh my God. First dad joke of the day. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, James McQuiggan is the godfather of dad jokes. Um, so anyways, uh, the, the other thing that uh, James mentioned that I love, and a lot of people don't know this. Okay. So if you're new to the industry, you may not know this. Okay. Threat actors, they get paid really well, all right? Like most of them, they get paid well because of their, their criminal empire, right? It's nothing for them to purchase technology like James is talking about and test their own attacks on it. And you don't, I see it less, I never even thought about uh, email gateways uh, doing it, but you see it awesome are, are done really well and it was dropped in the Conti leaks that was covered by Brian, uh, Brian mm -hmm. Krebs that the Conti ransomware gang actually had licenses to all the major uh, EDR solutions. And they had a whole department of, you know, mules basically who would take the new code base, run it through, see if all the EDRs detected it. Right. And if they did, they'd go back and fix, go back and fix until it could pass through. And then, and, and because the EDRs were updating daily, they had this team, this was their job every day, come in make sure it gets through. So, you know, you're 100% right. I never thought about it, but it's brilliant, right? Start crafting fishes, crafting fishes, and make sure that they're getting through this gateway. And if they're not, well, then we got to, um, you know, we got to tweak it or whatever. It's a, Now, it's a little different because um, you will be pushing the emails through a centralized gateway source, which they could start detecting like, okay, like it seems like it's 100% fishes coming out of this one organization. But uh, again, we're, we're not going to get into all that, but it, it is... It is very interesting. Um, James, really quick to, to go back to a quick point you made. Uh, Joshua B wanted to know if that Inside Man was available on YouTube. He wanted to consume it. I wish. Um, right now it is intellectual property of Noble So if you are a customer, I think you have to be a Diamond customer. You're able to watch it. We did have it on Amazon uh, for a short period of time, uh, but then Amazon removed it. I don't know why I never got told why, but it was on there for a bit, which was great because I was telling everybody to go watch it and then they pulled it. So if you're a no before customer, you, you're able to, you should be able to get it through the mod store. I love it. I love it. Um, also, um, by the way, um, yeah. do you know what kind of bait that fishers like to use? No. Click bait. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I, I need a, I, I need a better like I wasn't prepared. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. This is this is probably more on brand. There we go. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, China's got a hot take. Uh, going back to your uh, music days here, that security awareness training may have more impact if done in theater form. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Rachel Toback actually has done that. Um, she is. Uh, uh, very well known in the social engineering space. Uh, she's a security consultant, goes around. She's gone through, I haven't had a chance to see them yet. I, uh, but she has put together some musical numbers uh, for security awareness tips. But yeah, no, I, I was kicking myself going, oh man, I can't believe, you know, we didn't think that because the guy that directs our 
Inside Man series. His background is musical theater and opera and everything else. And I, I, I have to imagine we may try and do something. I'm not saying we are. Total disclaimer. But I yeah. gotta imagine that we can't, you know, that we may uh, take a shot at. It. We may, it may have already, you know, been trademarked. I don't know what's going on with it, but uh, no, I agree. Any way to get people to learn and kind of support that point? We were chatting about it internally, and some of us were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is musical theater numbers with security awareness." I'm like, if it's a way to get people to remember it, you know, um, Ron Clark. So kind of. So I, not, I don't want to get too deep yeah. on this, but no, that's good. my wife, um, semi-retired school teacher, one of her favorite mentors and idols in the teaching world, education world, is a guy by the name of Ron Clark, and he's based out of Atlanta. And he originally started in North Carolina. They did a movie about him with Matt Perry years ago. But what he would do to get kids to learn is he would teach it, but then he would teach them a song. And it'd be like a rap song because he was working in um, working in the, the, you know, the, the Title IX schools or, or whatever mm -hmm. the, the, the schools that are you know lower pop, uh, almost poverty line but he a lot of his kids loved rap music so he decided to put some of the, his lessons to rap music and the kids loved it he now got, eventually got to a point he opened his own school in atlanta um kids are wearing uniforms they come in but a lot of the lessons are based around music you know some sort of rap music or song that they like and then they do it. And the kids remember, my wife even did it in her classrooms because she taught history. So she would have those songs. And it's just an, for kids, it's great. It's another fun way to learn how to get the information in your head. I mean, even to the point where, you know, they were they had a song for an Animaniacs did it, where they got a song for all the capitals and states mm -hmm. of the U.S. And she would see the kids mouthing the words as they're trying to figure out what the answer is to get to whatever, but would see them mouthing it because it's easy. Our brains can remember the patterns and the rhyming uh, for those words a lot easier than we can remember the five facts of, you know, what not to do in your security awareness program. But yeah, no, I, I think music is a great way to do it um, uh, just as another way to get the information solidified and get folks remembering. I agree a hundred percent mnemonics. I mean, we did that mm -hmm. in school, uh, like, yep. you know, grammar school when we were young. Um, and it, it, it is really a way to resonate. Also, I like to use like current events, like, you know, if there's uh, fish around IRS scams or world cups coming up, you know, those, those type of things, uh, you, you start, you start getting into that dangerous territory of like the sticky, the sticky fishes, the sticky emails. So you do have to be careful with that, but I do love that. I, if you guys were to do some type of, um, musical number i mean it's already a huge production to develop a, like a movie yeah to add to add numbers and stuff like that It'd be fun. Yeah. china's talking about grc the musical yeah. lol I love the it. Musical. there you go I, I do love it i do love it i do want to give a shout out you basically ripped the lid off the top of the uh dad joke train so now um they're just rolling in chat i don't know if you're seeing this but carrie's talking about the dolphins when he made a mistake he didn't do it on porpoise uh some very good ones there you go um so yeah. do you know what a you know what a vegan and what the difference between a vegan and a computer programmer is? Your audience is gonna love this. Okay. A vegan, vegan and a, yeah. A vegan and a computer programmer. What's the difference? Well, the vegan is disgusted by a rack of lamb, and the computer programmer is disgusted by a lack of RAM. <sighs> Thank you very much, James McQuiggan. He'll be here all night. Be sure to tip your waitress. I love it. I love it. Uh, oh my God. Th there's so many. In fact, guys, uh, the second day I spent with James in Vegas, he literally had a shirt that said, I'm loading my dad a base. Like, oh, I keep my that... jokes in my, I keep my dad jokes in my data, data, D-A-D-A base. Yes, that's it. I'm sorry. I keep my dad, my dad jokes in my database. And it was, uh, it, it was, it was perfect. It was so. I, I have so another funny. one that says dad joke loading. Um, those are in my YouTube videos when I do my dad jokes. And then my other dad joke t-shirt says, um, I tell dad jokes periodically only when I'm in my element and the whole shirt's like the periodic table. Nailed it. I, I won't even give a ha ha on that one. That one was, that's good. I like that. I like what we're doing here. My kids, I roll, they don't even get it, uh, when I drop dad jokes, but you know, that's, that's where it's at. Shout out to Jess Bishop who does the dad jokes, uh, it, for her kids. Cause, uh, I guess kid's dad doesn't want to do dad jokes or something like that. I kind of missed the chat, but I saw it, but way to keep the, the fire strong, Jess. I do appreciate it. So James, we're talking about, um, avoid, you know, security awareness mistakes. 
you know, is there any is there any kind of glaring mistake or or one that we've overcome in the industry, but you still see some laggers uh, committing that could be a best practice for people? Um, a lot of it may come around your fishing templates that you might be using. Sometimes folks mm -hmm. like to start off real easy, or they might start off really hard. What you want to do is kind of have a a thumb on you know a pulse on the your thumb on the pulse of the community, figuring out okay. Are my users, you know, they're savvy enough with the email. They're not going to spot the the easy one that's, you know, clear text, misspelling, you know, you know, reply back with your social security number, you know, <laughs> but they they decide to step it up. So sometimes they might do the easy ones and, you know, um, and that kind of lets them down and they get, you know, the false reporting or they go really, really hard and, you know, they get a majority of the people that are falling for it. And sometimes that can skew their numbers. So it's important to make sure you're, you understand where your users are uh, when it comes to doing those phishing simulations. Um, the other one to consider is also be aware of what your culture is within your organization. And what I mean by that is GoDaddy, the Chicago Tribune, West Midland Trains in the UK, and the Oregon Science Health Unit or group um, all decided to send phishing emails as part of their campaigns that they do normally. But this one dealt with bonuses, dealt with um, where they were sending out saying, hey, we discovered a surplus of cash this year. Everyone, you know, everyone's going to get a bonus. Click on the link to get more information, essentially. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem was Chicago Tribune had just fired all their photographers a couple weeks prior. Um, West Midland had just um, had some financial issues as well. GoDaddy, I think they were fine, but they put out the, this bonus type email and the users rebelled. Um, they basically sent a lot of complaints and it got up to the top. And so they had to kind of step back. And I think part of that is because either the, the community was too sensitive to the whole money thing, because money is one of the big lures that social, uh, cyber criminals, social engineers love to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Folks that around, you know, that greed aspect um, and, you know, getting more money, losing money, that's always a big issue for for the users and so it's important to understand how you're understanding your culture you know if we send out this money email are we going to upset a lot of people or, or are they going to be like okay yeah you got me i should have checked the link and you know it's a lesson not a gotcha so i think either those organizations either hadn't explained the why properly to everybody and they weren't fully aware of it or it was one of the first ones they did i didn't dive too deep into it but i just know that those particular organizations kind of got burned um, when it came to their fishing program. So it's important to make sure you understand what the culture is for your organization. And then, you know, are they going to, do they have the proper understanding of why you're doing the program overall? Yeah. Good, good point. I, I, you know, just to share a, another example of this that I've experienced myself, um, this, <laughs> this happened right before I came in and took mm -hmm. over at this, at this place and, and, and rebuilt their program. But Right before I got started at a place, this was uh, like heat of COVID. Okay, um, and the those those surplus checks or whatever they were called, the the, the stimulus checks, like whatever the money right. that was going out to help people make ends meet. Right. It was a fish sent out with a link to claim your surplus check or or whatever. And you talk about targeting uh, like a vulnerable population, and I I always like kind of. I always kind of flip flop on it because bad guys are going to do that, right? Bad guys yeah. don't give a crap. They want you to click on it. So it's completely inside their realm to send that jerk email. And we, you know, and we would want our end users not to click on it. So there's one argument that could be like, you know, it sucks. I'm sorry, but like, this is what they're going to do. So we have to like get tougher skin and, and realize what these attacks are or the other side where it's like, Oh, that was really callous and, 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 you know, not empathetic. Uh, of these situations. So it is really a difficult, it's a difficult balance to, to properly, you know, or it's turbulent waters to navigate yeah. without taking on yeah. some water, you know? Right. Exactly. And, you know, with regards to, you know, you're doing those phishing emails and especially with the COVID, you know, that was huge, the COVID and the, the vaccines and then the phishing, yeah. st the stimulus checks. Um, again, we had, we had those templates available and then we had our, we had other organizations out there, you know, chastising, going, why are you making that available? This is so sensitive. You shouldn't be doing it. And we're saying, look, we're providing the templates. So if you want to mm -hmm. use them, you can. You don't have to. 
we just want, you know, depending on what your culture is for your organization, are they going to be okay for that? And some people just didn't use them because they didn't want it. That was too emotional for them yeah. to use. So the idea then was the, the recommendation that I was making talking with the organization would be, okay, you need to tell your employee, your users, that you will never send them any information about COVID, vaccines, or the stimulus checks. You're just not going to send those emails. Because if cyber criminals are sending them in, then they know right away they got, oh, no, this is a fish. This is um, not legitimate. Uh, we need to get get rid of it. But if you're going to be sending emails out about that, then you want to make sure that they're able to spot the real from the fake uh, phishing, mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise, you know, someone, they'll, one email may come in that's actually legit and a cyber criminal may be sending them right in after it that goes, oh, we've had a change with the stimulus checks. You're not going to be able to get them now. And they go, what? Oh my God. And they can click it on the link. So, yeah. Well, so you're talking about culture, right? And it might be difficult for some people to gauge that, or if there are a, oh, yeah. you know, an MSSP and you're you're like servicing fifty different uh, companies, and each one's going to have its own culture. I know, um, know before has done a phishing by um, or a, a security culture report. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I w like I'll, I'll throw a link up here so people can get it. But can you? Is that a report that could help people with? with what we're talking about right here to be able to better understand it? Or what's that report's target? So the security culture report that came out, we have, we've had them come out for the last three years. What it does is it looks at the different industries and see engages based on surveys that we've done to see mm -hmm. where they are in, re in regards to their culture, um, their culture score essentially. And right mm -hmm. now we're seeing a lot of, a lot of the organizations are sitting in and around the seventies, which is not, very good. We want to get them into the high 80s and you know hopefully get into the 90s. So we're seeing a lot of organizations are working on and improving their security culture. We have we do have another report. It's the Security Culture Maturity Model Index. Um, you can Google that on you know Noble. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. just if, if you allow me to interrupt for one moment, you can see on the pop up here. Uh, I don't know where it is on Know Before, but it, it's on their website. If you Google Know Before Security Culture Report, which is why I've written it here, it should take you to this report he's yeah. talking about, so you can check it out. S same with the other report you just mentioned. Can you say it again so I can type it? Yeah, this, the Security Culture Maturity Model Index. Okay. I believe that's what it is. But you'll see it when you're looking at security culture uh, with regards to Know Before. Um, but that maturity index kind of goes through a little more of the, the details about where you where you are in the range we've got it's between one and five we're seeing a lot of organizations in and around that three area where they're doing the training and the assessments now we want to start looking at trying to change and get more secure behaviors from users and eventually get it to where security is top of mind and they're almost like an hdr you mentioned earlier about an edr you know emergency mm -hmm. detection and response how about an hdr a human detection and response so that's kind of the goal we're looking for Oh, I like that. I, I do like that. That's cool. Um, I, I know just because we had talked about it, I threw these uh, little slides in right before we went live because James and I were talking about it and it came up. Um, so I want I do want to ask about this, too, because I think there's real value in this. Another report that uh, you can get for for free. Right. These reports oh, are these all free. Yep. Yeah. Um, is fishing by industry report. I know this doesn't segue what, from what we're just talking about, but guys. Like I, I like regularly reference by industry reports because to me, it is so valuable when you're trying to make an argument to the CIO or the CFO to get money. Basically, you can right. use these reports if it's true. Right. I mean, obviously, you're not going to just, you know, pick pick data to fit your agenda. But um, well, you can you can. But. What I'm saying is, like a report like this, if if you're in manufacturing, do do you do you happen to know the top one? I know manufacturing's the most ransomware one, but so yeah, manu uh, manufacturing education they're on the bottom end. Okay. Um, energy's kind of down there. The top ones is your banking, um, healthcare's down the bottom. But basically, when you're looking at phishing through the fifty plus thousand organizations we're supporting, when you do a when you start your phishing program, your phishing assessment program, usually what you see, you do the phishing first, then you do the training. And right out of the gate, what we see is about 33% of the people end up falling for that phishing uh, email. That's one in three people within your organization. So if you got 100 people in your organization, you know, you're looking at 33 people. Once you do the training and you continue doing those phishing assessments, after about 90 days, you get it to about one in every six 
maybe one in every seven. The goal is to get to about 5% of your people are clicking on the links. Because mm -hmm. as we know, and you've talked about it, security is not 100%. It's all about reducing risk and reducing your exposure. Oh, yeah. So after about a year, you get down to about one in every 20, one in every 25. That, that risk is a lot easier to manage for your CISO, your, your CIO, whoever's taking care of it, than dealing with one in every three people that's opening up the door, letting in the cyber criminals. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So well, it's worth grabbing the report, people, because it can help it, depending on your industry and stuff. Also want to give a shout out to Kenneth uh, Strickbine, or Strickbine, excuse me, Kenneth. Uh, it's talking about SANS also mm -hmm. as an awareness maturity model. Yep. So you can compare and contrast these different mm -hmm. ones. It's all about having tools to help you operationalize your program, right? Whether it's frameworks, whether it's templates, whatever it is. Um, it's all about leveraging existing assets in order to reduce cyber risk. Because at the end of the day, yep. that's the job, right? Whether it's technical, whether it's operational, whether it's administrative, whether it's, you know, human engagement or whatever. Um you know, we're, we're just about out of time. Um, so I, I know it went by quick. I, I do want to thank everybody, um, for being here today and engaging. Um, James, I always like to give my guests an opportunity to say some final words, whatever they want. So, uh, let me give you the stage and, uh, you know, feel free to share your best dad joke. <laughs> I'm going to bring the mic in nice and close, kind of like I'm on a stand up comedy show. Um, you know, I thought about what, what to kind of say, and, you know, the goal here with Security Awareness Month is to look at trying to get people to change their behaviors, get security top of mind. Um, and doing that, there's a lot of information, great information that's out there, a lot of great resources. So certainly check it out. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way. I'm on Twitter too, but LinkedIn's the best way. Please connect with me. Let me know that you saw me here on, on uh, Jerry's show here on um, Simply Cyber. And I'd be more than happy to connect with you. And, and I'm posting stuff all the time. But, um, you know, with all the cybercrime that we deal with that's out there, does anybody know why Superman doesn't help us fight cybercrime? It's because he's afraid of cryptocurrency. Um, anybody, know, <laughs> anybody know what you call a computer that sings? Adele. Um, last week, uh, or last month, Apple comes out with their new, or they came up with the new iOS. I don't know if anybody knew, but there's a new feature in there where you, all you have to do is smile at your phone and it, it will unlock. They call it tooth factor authentication. And I will leave this last one with you. Um, I don't know if anybody heard, but Wonder Woman and Spider-Man are going into business together. Yep. They're going to call it Amazon Web Services. And I'll throw it back to, to uh, my good friend, Jerry. Oh, my God. Those were wonderful dad jokes. Good thing this is being uh, recorded. You can go back and pull those. Uh, James McQuiggan, an absolute delight. Great guest. Thank you so much for delivering uh, educational value. We've been talking about how to avoid security awareness mistakes. We covered tons and tons of security awareness techniques, best practices, things to avoid philosophical underpinnings, cultural uh, differences, and all of those. So I, I genuinely appreciate it on behalf of the Simply Cyber community, which you're a member of anyways, James. Uh, we genuinely appreciate you being here today, and we hope that you can come back and join us at some point oh, yeah. in the future. Definitely. All right, cool. I'm going to send you off to the green room real quick. And you guys, you know what we're going to be doing here really quick. It's, it's pretty standard practice. If you don't know, every single... Weekday morning, I go live and do a daily cyber threat briefing, delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, providing expert analysis on what you can do to operationalize that information, perhaps put it in a phishing email to fish your end users or educate them in a security awareness method on, hey, this is what we're seeing right now, uptick in IRS, or hey, World Cup's around the corner, or hey, the holidays are coming, there's going to be, you know, you've got a delivery package waiting for you. Like I'm sure there's gonna be an uptick of those emails, whatever it is, we're doing it in the daily cyber threat briefing. All you have to do is go to simplycyber.io slash streams. So basically this URL slash streams, and it will take you right there. A lot of great people uh, are in there networking and doing all sorts of stuff We're in chat right now. So if you enjoyed the vibe of what happened today, there's gonna be much more of it tomorrow morning. Uh, minus the interview. It's just me talking. So, you know, if you didn't like me, um, you know, you might want to skip that one. But on behalf of myself, 
Um, thank you so much, uh, community, for being here, for engaging, for, for just great questions, great engagement. Thanks so much to James McQuiggan for all of his expert advice and, and for his time. Genuinely appreciate that because I know that is a rare, valuable commodity. Y'all, be good, and we will see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Special time tomorrow, 9 a.m., because i got to drop the boys off at school. 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Y'all be good. We'll take care.